Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and folks on today's show, a pricing miscellany. I'm running out of like really good words to come up with. We've had potpourri, we've had we've had bric-a-brac, and you know I'm I'm now we're, when we're doing these shows that we're we're bringing a conglomeration of different topics together. I, I, I came up with a pricing miscellany because fortunately I think all of these are related to pricing, Ron. But how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I, I don't know who names these shows, Ed. I don't know. <laughs> Me, I name them. I know and, you do. I know and, you do. And, and, and what was funny is that <clears throat> we got a critique. Who do we get that critique from? You guys got to simplify it, you know, keep it, dumb it down a little dumb bit. We got to, you yeah. got to, and, and it was right after we had that conversation that, oh yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they're right. And like, I'm going to name the show a pricing miscellany. You're like, yeah. <laughs> next you'll find some Latin term. Yeah. It's just, you're just sending them to the dictionary again, you know, the, anyway. The, the, the other thing Ed, is, and we've said this before, but we, we don't say it enough. We've got amazing listeners. Yes. We, we get these incredible emails, and we're going to deal with two of them today, uh, with just incredibly sophisticated questions, which they've tried to answer on their own by going back and listening through prior shows, but maybe they want clarification of something or whatever. And they're just incredible. I just love, I just love it when our listeners write to us. Yeah, yeah. So keep that coming. Uh, there is a program that that Voice America is starting to to try to up the number of even people that can call in during the show, and so hopefully we'll be able to to have more listeners who call in actually during the show live. I think that would be fun to do too as do as well. Yeah, we're part of a pilot program. I think that they're running on that, mm -hmm. so we'll have to test yeah. that and see how it see how it goes. See how that goes. But anyway, but before that, Ron. Before that, before we deal with our incredibly smart listeners, let's deal with something that was submitted on the Verisage website, which was another podcast from a former guest of ours, Mark two Stiving. Two-time yeah, guest. Two-time two -time guest. And you have the show numbers there. You want to... Yep. At number 246 and 348. And on 348, we talked about his excellent book on subscription, Win, Keep, Grow. Um, so Mark Stiving is, you know, his friend of the show. I've known him. We met at PPS a long time ago. I mean, we're talking like early 2000s. And he had on a guy by the name of Colin Jasper, who happens to be an Australian pricing consultant. Now, I've met Colin as well. I even did an event with him. Um, there's a huge backstory there, Ed. Um, but I'll skip it uh, for time's sake. And um, he is a pricing consultant, but with the twist that he defends hourly billing. Now, in all fairness, this was a 27-minute podcast. It dropped this past Monday on Mark's show, which is Impact Pricing. So if anybody wants to listen to it to see if we're characterizing it in a fair manner or whatever, you can go and do that. Uh, but he defends hourly billing primarily because he says it's what a lot of customers want. you got to give customers what they want. 
And therefore, if they ask for hourly billing, they should get it. I, I suppose that means if they ask for a fixed price, do they get that as well? I, I think he would say yes. I'm not exactly sure. I don't think Mark asked them that. Um, it does bring up other interesting strategic and positioning issues. For instance, Wachtell Lipton, the most profitable law firm in the world, does nothing by the billable hour. If you walked into Wachtell Lipton and asked one of their lawyers to bill you by the hour, they'd probably laugh you out of the office. So I'm not sure. And all these other law firms that we know of, Patrick Lamb, uh, Bartlett Beck, uh, Chris Marston, uh, John, T T I mean, there's just, we can go on and on. There's exemplar, a ton of law exemplar, law, yeah. Exemplar, yep, yep. yep uh, that don't uh, price by the hour and wouldn't. So it leads me to believe that Colin has never worked for a law firm that does not bill by the hour and does not track time. So uh, his perspective is, I think, on the large end of the law firm scale. And look, we talked about this. If, if we worked with nothing but big four or top 10 or maybe even top 50 accounting firms, uh, we would be mired in billable hour thinking. We'd be mired in scope creep and you know, if we do more activity, then we got to get paid more. And of course, we have to track time, job profitability. Utilization reports, that. project profitability reports. Absolutely. Now, they talked about if you're under a fixed price, you can cut corners. This is, I think, an incredible straw man argument that's always been used against uh, fixed pricing, that firms are going to cut corners. Um, you know, look, you can cut corners under the billable hour. In fact, you're incented the exact opposite way under the billable hour to pad more hours. Um, and he also said in there that there should be no surprises with hourly billing. <laughs> and I can, I, I only say to that from his own country, I've met with every legal commissioner with John Chisholm across Australia in almost every state. And we talked about complaints from customers that they deal with. This is the body that you go to, the governmental body that you go to when you have a complaint with your lawyer. And guess what they all revolve around, Ed, or most of them? It's all around billing. The lawyer never told me it was going to cost a hundred grand. I mean, the notorious time padding happens with this. Lowball the customer at the, at the beginning. Don't quote them a fixed price that will scare them out of your office. Tell them what your hourly rate is. Tell them, oh, we think it's going to be between 10 and 20. The bill ends up to be 40 or 50. And that's what most of the complaints out of Australia and here too from state bar associations revolve around. The other thing that startled me about this conversation was, look, Professional Pricing Society, which you and I have been involved in since the early 2000s and we're faculty members and Mark is involved in as well, we're on a crusade to bury cost plus pricing. Pricers, good pricers, hate cost plus pricing. Well, hourly billing is cost plus pricing. I don't care how you justify it. I don't care how you say, well, the customer demands it. Well, you know what? I demand United Airlines don't use yield management to price my tickets. I want them to bill me by the minute. Or, or I mean, it, it's absurd. The pricing innovations happens on the supply side. And, and, and he, even though you know it's cost plus pricing, he says, well, you can differentiate, you can price discriminate in effect by charging different hourly rates to different customers. Well, the problem with that is, okay, once you say, okay, that sounds good, then you revert back down to a cost plus formula. So even if you say, well, this person's paying 200 bucks an hour, this person over here is paying 500, it's still cost plus. It has nothing to do with value. This is just the incorrect theory. 
And then one more thing, and I'll let you chime in here. I know I'm dominating this, but as you can imagine, they mentioned me on this podcast, so I'm going to I'm gonna fire back. Um, he, he also said hourly rates are about rationing time. Well, Colin, you can't ration time. You can't, how do you, how do you possibly ration time? You can't sell it. You can't hoard it. You can't trade it. You can't purchase it. Time, as we've talked about innumerable times on this podcast, is a constraint. In fact, it's a constant constraint. What he's really talking about is opportunity cost. But that has to happen ex ante before you do something, right? You decide to go to the beach or listen to this show. I realize you can do both at the same time. But, um, but, you know, even if you do that analysis, he would convert right back to the hourly rate. So it's, it's still a flawed theory, no matter which way you go with this. No, absolutely. And, and what, what I think that, that uh, it leads to is, is that what we have referred to for years and years and years is the cruise conversation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quick play that, Ron, for, for, for the listeners. So I've got an audio from the, the, from the movie The Firm. So let's, we're just going to ro- roll this in and, and uh, give this a listen. Yeah, what year was The Firm in? You're not listening, Mr. McDear. 1993. I'm sorry, uh, you were talking about hours? Listen, I know I'm not Bendini Lamarin's most valuable client, but I've got a legitimate complaint here. You never spent 33 hours last month on my account. Is that what you're built? You don't see your own bills? No, I just, uh, I just submit my timesheet. I just submit I just my timesheet. Time <laughs> you know, this is... <clears throat> This is something that Tim Williams dealt re- recently with this couple posts, and, and he said, you know, what's, the, what's wrong with billing by the hour? Well, it centers the conversation on the wrong things. It misaligns the interests of the firm and the client. It prioritizes doing over thinking. It limits the quality of work to the hours available. It's a major part of overhead. We estimate that the average firm, typical firm, probably spends 7 to 10% of their gross revenue you know, feeding this beast, tracking it, worrying about it, looking at bills, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it means the more efficient we are, the less we make, and it assumes a static level of value for every hour, right? Every hour is worth 500 bucks or whatever your hourly rate is. That's absolutely crazy um, if you ignore customer value. And so I just think that uh, not, only, not only is it the wrong theory of value if you're trying to value price, but it's also a crappy customer experience, which is precisely the reason I moved away from it. And then... It's also a really crappy internal experience for the team members in the firm. And you've proven that people lie on their timesheet or, you know, write down things that aren't true if we don't want to go as far as saying lying. And it's just crazy that this is still, I cannot believe we are debating this. One last thing. He said, Mark asked him about projects that have a lot of uncertainty and that justifies hourly. And of course, Colin said, absolutely. Well, Colin, that's the time you need to run away from the billable hour the most. The most complex, the most risky, the most uncertain uh, cases or matters are the ones where you're adding the most value. And to price those by the hour, you're leaving tons of money on the table. That's malpractice if you're a pricer, if you're a professional pricer. I mean, there's great nobility in being paid what you're worth. And this method does not do that. So this is a suboptimal pricing mentality. And I cannot believe that in the year of 2022, the year, in the year of our Lord, we're still having this debate. 
B, 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 it's the common error on it's CE now. It's not it's not anno domini. Yeah, you got to be right, you know, right, 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 right. politically yes, correct. Right, so, yeah. well, I I do have some quick commentary on this, but we are up against our break. So, unfortunately, this is going to spill over a little bit into the second segment. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the soul of enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Ron mentioned that we are faculty members members of the Professional Pricing Society. Well, we are have an announcement this week that we are going to be teaching a class on from transactional to relational, which is of course odd moving to subscription-based pricing. And you can see more information about that at thesoulofenterprise.com slash PPS. Our shout out this week goes to Mark Gandy at CFO Bookshelf. He is a Patreon member and a subscriber at a level that gets him a shout out. You can see him at cfobookshelf.com. Our Patreon channel is patreon.com slash TSOE. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. Accountants and bookkeepers, listen up. Save time by streamlining your customers' payables with Melio. Melio lets you make all your customers' business payments on one simple dashboard. There's no monthly fees, and you can send ACH transfers for free. Best of all, Melio syncs with your accounting software, so everything is organized. Do yourself and your customers a favor. Join Melio so you can spend less time on payments and more time growing your firm. Visit Melio.com accountants for more information. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash Time's Up. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're back on The Soul of Enterprise. I want to um, correct a, a problem that of, of mine, with, which is in that going to that break, I didn't mention our new sponsor, Melio. We'll mention them again on the way to our second break as well. But Melio is now one of our new sponsors. Thank them. And we'll talk more about them in just a little bit. But uh, Ron, I just, I just had a couple quick things that I want to mention on this. You talked about the complex work thing. And it, look, th- this is completely blown away by Chris Marsden's circles and scoping complex engagements. And if, if uh, it's clear that Colin hasn't seen that or hasn't talked to Chris about that, because I think that's just a great example of what you need to do to combat that. And you're right. You're leaving so much money on the table when it comes to complex engagements. I mean, it's it's really just incredible to me. The one other thing that I want to mention, though, and this was something that actually Mark said. He talked about a bookkeeping firm that was not giving him $500 a month in value, and he felt that he was getting ripped off. And he found another bookkeeper who was charging uh, charging by the hour, and I guess his bill now is down to like 200 bucks an hour, and he, uh, 200 bucks a month, and he feels better about that. And he says, well, I, I was getting ripped off. And my, my response to Mark would be, if we, we, we talked to him, is, no, you were the wrong customer for that bookkeeper. <laughs> right. Right. That you were just the wrong customer. You you did not have enough work enough work uh, for that book bookkeeper to to for she and he admit, even said in that she does a lot more higher end stuff and that he was probably one of the more simple customers. Now that was the bookkeeper's problem. I think it was she. I think he said she should should have should have said, hey, listen, I'm the, you're the wrong customer for me. But it's right. not a pricing issue. It's a customer selection mm-hmm. issue. And I think right. that that's an important important point to make. And he did say his new bookkeeper bills by the hour, which I find fascinating because if Mark was consulting with her, he would never tell her to cost plus price. <laughs> right, and that's right, all right, right. hourly billing is. The other thing, and I forget which one of them mentioned this, but this, I think it was Colin who said that good, better, best variation is around scope. And I just want to say that that's not necessarily true. And that's another thing that's also in your book and that we've talked about for years, and I know we've had shows on this, is that you know, the, the scope is one of the seven T's. We, right. We've come up with seven different ways of creating different offerings, different options or choices for customers. So it's it's certainly not just around scope. I think and, scri- and, and subscription blows that up even more. Because even it, more it, it, because it puts less right. emphasis on scope. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you're right. The the whole conversation around rationing time is just, it's just clueless on the economics of it. Is is really what it's it's because <laughs> yeah, no idea be, how you ration time. It's be, because he doesn't have a, a a strong foundation in understanding of the the economic theory behind it. But I do want to say this, Ron. The thing that got me the absolute most fired up about this <laughs> is, and you know. Okay, Colin, if you're listening to this, take this with, with, with all the love here. You cannot ever quote the great philosopher Lawrence Peter Barra and say that it's Ron Baker. Okay, because the wrong mistakes quote is not Ron Baker. It's Yogi Berra. And don't ever do that again. Otherwise, I'm coming after you big time. Right. And, and I quoted Yogi from his book. <laughs> I know. You, know, when you, you, come to you, fork, you give I, Yogi credit in the book. In fact, I, if, yeah, I quote a couple paragraphs, I think, him talking about the World Series where all that happened and they lost yeah. to the Pirates or whatever. And mm-hmm. Yeah. It, um, it, the but problem the wrong, was we made the wrong mistakes. 
And, and he uses that as an illustration that with hourly billing, you can make the wrong mistakes. Well, that's the whole point, Colin. That's another reason why we're trying to kill it, because I don't think there's an education in the fourth kick of the mule. And in the context, I told that story. You must have read that in my book. Maybe you heard me say it. But in the book, I tell that story around a tip clause story where a particular accounting firm did a complex job an uncertain job for a customer and they left what we estimate what did what the partner himself estimated was he left four hundred sixty two thousand dollars on the table and my point in the book is when he goes and does the next engagement he's going to bill him by the hour and he's probably going to leave a comparable amount on the table again there is just no education with the billable hour you make the same mistakes over and over and over which is why realization rates are below 100 percent there's no arguing with that it's an empirical fact the only way to get over a hundred percent hourly rate is to value price, mm -hmm. not value bill, value price. Billing takes place in arrears. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing he said that I think he said that uh, bothered me. Um, nobody's talking about value billing here. There's no such thing. It's value it's mail pricing. fraud. Yeah. <laughs> value billing is mail fraud. <laughs> well, and, and that I think 460... hourly billing is mail fraud. Yeah. That, well, that's true, too. The the, the, the 462000 was by that person's own admission, admission. if you read the, the entire t Tim story. It's probably more like $1.4 yes. million dollars is, so. the re is the reality. <laughs> the, the 462 is just that person's admission of it. But enough of that. Let's move on to an email that we got from uh, Royce from Ohio. And we w really want to take this on. This is a great email. And he says, I discovered your Soul of Enterprise podcast a few months ago and have been going through an archive broadcast listening to some of the current ones. Find the topics on subscription interesting and considering retiring from his current employer and starting his own consulting. Since I'd be starting on a shoestring and from the ground up, I'm interested in the subscription model and started getting off the ground, so to speak. Ron, what did, what did you jump out at you before we, we take on the, the questions of this? Yeah, I love this because he says he, he's going to start his own accounting firm on a shoestring. And so this is great because it's a blank slate, right? He's got no legacy systems to overcome. In fact, this guy's got the perfect mindset because he said, I heard one or the other of you when discussing subscription that that's not really subscription. That should be a bingo card <laughs> phrase add on. That's not <laughs> subscription, right? Uh, uh, he says, do you have do you have any sort of a list you could share uh, of what is prescri uh, what is or is not subscription? He says, "I'm of the same I'm I am of the same opinion as you. The idea that you can make almost anything a subscription. I don't see why anyone would exclude any kind of accounting, bookkeeping, tax planning, and advisory services from subscription. Like we talked about, whatever, whenever it was a couple of weeks ago, about that guy Brandon who wanted you to exclude was it tax preparation from the mm -hmm. subscription? Um, so." You know, he and, and Ed, what I also found interesting is his personal physician operates on subscription. So he's mm -hmm. got a DPC doc, he told me yep. in, in a follow up email, and his veterinarian. This guy subscribes to his vet for 20 years. He's been wow. subscribing to his vet. That's fascinating. That I think that's a whole nother area. Veterinarians, well, just like Dr. Paul said, we could have plum pets, right? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, so. I, I wrote Royce back and I said, Royce, you know, here are some shows that we've done. I, 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 I got him to our subscription, you know, our shows divided by topic and got him to the subscription ones. You just updated that, Ed. Now you, we've got mm -hmm. all the shows that we've done on there. You and I have talked about this issue, but we've never devoted an entire show to it. So let's run through a list, Ed. I did a, I just sat here and did a top 10, you mm. know, uh, what is subscription? What do, what do you and I mean by subscription well first okay. off 
It's a periodic payment for recurring value. And I would even say recurring increasing value mm-hmm. <laughs> or plussing what the idea of plussing you've got to bake in plussing. Um, it's frictionless interaction. Um, you're trying to make it as frictionless as possible, no matter how the customer is interacting you, especially digitally, because I promise you they're comparing you to Amazon one click. It's convenient. It has to be convenient. You have to save the customer's time and hassle. If you waste a customer's time by giving them a 200 page tax organizer, <laughs> I, I think you deserve life in purgatory or hell or something. I, I just think that's a, the ultimate sin today is to waste the customer's time or put them through some type of hassle. You do that, you're expendable in today's world. I don't care who you are, you're expendable. Um, you have to lower the transaction cost because transaction costs are really the price the customer pays. So the shoe leather that they spend shopping and selecting the product, the the cost of ownership, the repairs, the maintenance, possibly recycling, you know, disposal, all of that kind of stuff, lower it, lower it as much as you can. And that's also part of subscription. Just like I'm sure when your vacuum cleaner, Ed, gets upgraded, you're going to send back the old one and and they're going to send you out the new one. Um, Peace of mind. And this applies, I think, more to professional firms, but peace of mind by giving them insurance, just like your doctor does, Royce, that, hey, whatever you need that I'm capable of doing, you're covered. And then um, I think also professional firms can do transformations. So we're not just stacking services brick by brick by brick. We're actually guiding the customer from where they are to where they want to be. You have continuous innovation that's baked into this model. So the idea, Walt Disney's idea of plussing, you put the focus on the relationship, not the services. You put the focus on recurring revenue, not reoccurring revenue. Reoccurring revenue is more sporadic. It's kind of like a rash. You, you, you might get some stuff that repeats, but maybe not recurring revenue is far more predictable and far more valuable when you go to sell the firm. And that's going to lead to a higher valuation, which is the 10th thing. So those are 10 things that I came up with for subscription. Well, Ron, I mean, that's a that's a great list. I, I don't know that I necessarily have anything to add so much as just to add color to and maybe put throw through push back a little bit on a, and have a question for you. When we say periodic payments, because this has been a, a bone of contention, I think that has to be less than yearly. I, I think I think I don't know whether the minimum is quarterly or but but I think it has to be it can't be annual. I agree. I, I, I like I like monthly. Obviously, I just think that's a good cadence. I, I can see quarterly, can also see weekly because mm-hmm. we have evidence that that works in some cases. The only way I would accept annual ed is if you incentivize them to pay annually. Like, for instance, my dad just signed up with a DPC. He's got a DPC now. Oh, great. Um, and he met him for the first time this week. And he said, and they told him the monthly price, and he said, "Can I pay the whole year?" And she goes, "Yes." He goes, "You pay eleven months, and you'll get a year." So, but I think that's different. That that's different from because you're. St- it's still. You're, that's just for customer convenience. Right. Right, and it's still automatic. It's still recurring, not reoccurring. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a subscription is almost almost by definition recurring. 
Right. Right. It, um, not reoccurring. What what I mean by reoccurring, especially in the accounting space, is we know we're going to get a tax return, a set of books, com- sales tax compliance. I mean, that is reoccurring. And you know what? It's pretty damn stable. In fact, mm-hmm. it, it's probably been one of the, the, the problems in the profession uh, because it, it stifles innovation, I think. And, it, and, mm-hmm. and we just keep piling on doing more of the same type of work that we shouldn't be doing in the first place. But separate issue. But but recurring revenue, whether they pay annually like my dad did or whether they go monthly or weekly or some other cadence, it's still predictable uh, for the buyer who's going to look at analyze your revenue and, and put it in those two buckets. Right. So here's as you were talking, I was I was trying to you know, we've, we've, we've had some some really good cuts at trying to define value pricing. Which is we the and we've got a, a working definition of that that we've used, which is a, a price upon which the primary but not sole determining factor is the is the uh, perception perceived value of the customer, right? That's been right. our working definition of value pricing. So, as you were talking, I tried to I tried to sketch out my, all and incorporate as many of the things you talked about into one sentence, and and here's what I came up with, and it's not perfect; it needs to be re- reworked. But periodic recurring payments for ever increasing value and serial transformations. Beautiful, that's as good as it that's, gets. That's that, that's that's our our working definition of subscription. So I'll say it once more: periodic recurring payments for ever increasing value and serial transformations. Right, and that transformations, Royce, if you're listening, uh, is a big part, I think, of how subscription applies to especially accounting firms, but any professional firm, because we do have the ability to move customers uh, from where they are to where they want to be, you know, increase the business value, help them retire sooner, plan their legacy. All of those types of things are all transformations. And we've done a show with Joe Pine on that, that you can find in the archives and listen to that because he's the one that posited that transformations are at the top of the value curve. Um, Unfortunately, Ed, this is just flying by. We're up against our next break. And folks, we'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to ask TSOE at Verisage.com. Also, check out our Patreon, our Patreon channel, which you can find at patreon.com slash TSOE. And that channel is uh, now sponsored by 90Minds. It's a matter of mind. Check out 90Minds at 90Minds.com. And also, now a word from our sponsor, including Melio, an accounts payable solution that both you and your customers will absolutely love. Go to Melio.com slash accountants to get started for free. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. 
Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well, welcome back everybody we're talking about miscellaneous pricing issues you like how i changed your title there ed? <sighs> come on uh, man a pricing miscellany <laughs> i'm just trying to dumb it down that's all <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, and here is another fantastic question. This comes from Tim from Kansas. I just love this. He says, Ron, you don't know me, but I've heard you speak many times. You have influenced our pricing practices, and we have tried to implement value pricing for many years now. I just listened to your Scaling New Heights presentation, Time's Up, the subscription business model for accounting. I was not able to attend Scaling this year and was just given access to selected recordings from the event because they did record all the events. I'm fascinated by the subscription model. The presentation was very compelling. In your presentation, you mentioned another presentation you gave on pivoting to subscription pricing. Would you be able to send me the slide deck from that or a recording? If not, perhaps some suggestions on other resources for pivoting to subscription. Thanks in advance for any help you can provide. And he's pre-ordered Time's Up so he can join the pre-order book club, which folks you can find at uh, soulofenterprise.com slash Time's up, one word, and um, you can check out, out the, our offer there. So, Ed, we have talked about this, but we've never dedicated a show to it, mm -hmm. and it's probably worthy of doing. But essentially, uh, Tim, there are three models that you can use to pivot to subscription from wherever you are now, whether that's hourly billing or fixed pricing or value pricing. You're going to have to make a pivot. And the three models are... Uh, model A is you create a new firm. You just spin out a new firm. It's got, you know, new systems, new mindset, new KPIs, obviously new pricing because of subscription. And it's just a separate entity. Or you can go with model B, which is a gradual pivot. You slowly convert your customers over. So maybe you do a two prong strategy like we recommended when people move from hourly to value pricing where you say you put every new customer that walks in through the door on, on subscription that's a no-brainer 
pretty easy to do. But then you gradually, slowly convert your existing customers over. Uh, or model C is you transform. You kind of do what Adobe did by saying on such and such date, we are no longer going to support you know the box software. We're no longer going to upgrade it. And we're going to offer subscription, you know, software as a service online, which is exactly what they did. And um, that's another way to do it. So we have Model A, create a new firm. Model B, gradually pivot your customers over. Uh, and subscription just becomes, you know, 100% of your revenue over time. Or you transform at a certain date. Doctors do this as well, Ed, when they're converting from like a fee-for-service, insurance, Medicare, all of that and they want to go to a DPC model, they'll say such and such date, we're moving to DBC, we will no longer be taking insurance, Medicare, blah, blah, blah. And on that date, everything switches. And they give their existing patients a chance to either sign up or help them find somebody else. Mm -hmm. So of these three models, which one do you think is the most successful? I think it's got to be model A. I, I mean, I, I think that's got to be just just from my understanding of, of, of systems, the background systems, because in the other two models, you've got to keep to a certain extent system, the, the other systems spinning in the air. And um, and, I, and I think it's be extraordinarily challenging to do so. I also think that while if you set a new entity, it can still have common ownership, like the same people Absolutely. who own entity A can now own entity B. And that and that's totally fine. But I think what's important is that this it allows it as a completely separate entity. Now, I suppose you could do it as a, a, a new division in your company, a new, you know, and, and, and that have it have its own systems. But I think I think it would be much easier just to do a separate company. Now, this reminds me, of course, of what Dan Morris did back in the day when he spun off Express Tax and put an enrolled agent in charge of that and moved all of his the personal returns that were just doing personal returns into Express Tax and then preserved Morris and D'Angelo as the, the, the premier brand. I also think that from a branding perspective, this is much better. We had a, a Verisage call earlier this week, Ron, with the Verisage fellows that you were only able to, to jump on for a little bit because you're with book, uh, getting all of all of this stuff out, but this this topic came up uh, interestingly enough in in that conversation as well, and I asked Tim about it, Tim Williams about it, and he he told a great story about what Ogilvy did. Now Ogilvy created three separate entities. Uh, Ogilvy still exists. Ogilvy Red, which is their strategy, and then Ogilvy Red Works. Which is the 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 the, 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 the logic stuff, right? The factory right. that does factory. banner resizing, you know that that yep. that kind of stuff. Now I think that's interesting. They did create three separate brands all around Ogilvy as the main brand. I, I kind of think that it would be better off for a professional firm, especially uh, uh, to have something that's different, like Morris and D'Angelo and Express Tax. Right, I agree. That it's it's, it's a much even different sounding name. Now. Curiously, though, this is almost the inverse of the express tax in that what I what I think you're doing is you're taking your base of customers and creating an offering that is superior yeah. to above what you're currently doing with your current customers and allowing a, a, a smaller seg subsegment to move over to that new entity. Um, and then, you know, I think what's really neat about that, especially if you do it as a separate entity, is if you realize, oh, 
Well, we're doing just fine in the new subscription-based entity, and we've got enough revenue. We've now, you know, pulled our patient board back from, you know, 2,400 to 500, and we're making the same money as we did when we had 2,400, and there's still 1,900 uh, customers left over in the other entity. Sell that off (laughs) and be done with it. I think that's the strategy, honestly. Yep. So couldn't agree more. That's a great point about brand. Your brand can only stand for one thing. I think the thing with Ogilvy, because that strikes me too, is they created three things that have the word Ogilvy, and Ogilvy is such an iconic brand. Right. Of course. I think that's why they're doing yeah. it. So most yeah. accounting firms probably don't have that level of. There's only there's right. only four or five of them. There's yeah, only four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and I hate to tell that to like the people who are 20, 20, 20 through thirty on the top one hundred list, but yeah, no. Yeah, and, and it's really only one that most people could name, and that's price, and that's only because of the Oscars. So yeah, yeah, which they screwed up. So um, the other thing about Model B here, Tim, is the gradual pivot. Now. Now, look, I think, Ed, the gradual pivot um, is possible if you have relatively few clients or customers. I, I don't know what that number is, though. I mean, if you have five, yeah, you could probably do this one at a time gradually. If you have 10, 15, 20, I don't know where the cutoff is, but at some point, it's just it, it's unmanageable. And you just can't stand for two things. And plus, I, I need to bring up something else here. You know, when we look at companies, because uh, Teen wrote about this in one of his newsletters, and he was talking to his vice president of strategy, and the guy said, look, it, it's it's model A, build a separate system. He said, for the rest, it's model C, but you have to be really, really committed, and that's the Adobe model. He said, and everyone should avoid model B. That's a path to failure. Mm-hmm. These are guys that have seen this with thousands of companies trying to make this transition. Now, we know that Disney... HP, and to some extent Apple, because about 16% of their revenue comes from subscription, um, are, you know, who knows? I don't know if they're doing a gradual pivot or not, but they, they have both models under one roof. I contend to you that smaller businesses cannot have two business models under one roof. I think it's very, very difficult. And the other thing is, you don't have the managerial talent to be able to do it. Disney has managerial talent. HP has managerial talent. They can figure this stuff out. I just don't think we can split our attention that way in smaller business. No, no. I, I mean, and this goes back to, to you know, it, it, another Tim Williams line. You can't be McDonald's and Ruth's Chris, you know. The, and, with, and a vegan. And a, and a vegan, yeah, even 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 more importantly, but but I think and I think we did do a show on this when we talked. In fact, the show that we did on on David Maester, we talked about the the Maester, the four different models that he came up with, which I think are are, are a, a great example of this. Mm-hmm. That you, you know the notion notion that you can't be a brain surgeon and a psychotherapist and a pharmacist and a nurse or hospital or practitioner hospital. Right, in, right. in in the same under the in, same roof. The same roof. It, it right. just won't work. We need to put up the Vinnie Pal video with our late colleague where where he goes to that restaurant and it's it's every type of food. I mean, he's scrolling past the menu and it's Thai and Japanese. And when you see that, you go, they can't be good at any of these. Yeah, that wouldn't play well over the radio, but I'll make sure to definitely get it get over to to Greg to include in the show notes because it's a great video. It's it's absolutely hysterical. You just got to stop being everything to all people. And what I find when we talk about the pivoting aspect of this, or even starting from scratch, like Royce asked us, so much has, so much thinking has to go not into your pricing, but into your revenue model. What do you want your customers to pay for? 
mm-hmm. and your positioning and your strategy. You got to define what you want to be when you grow up. Like Tim says, you got to put yourself in that box. And once you figure out strategy, positioning, and your revenue model, then you get to select which pricing strategy you want to use, whether it's skim or penetration uh, or uh, neutral. We did a show on that as well. Um, But it's the strategy that's the senior partner. And everybody dives right into the pricing. It's not about when I hear people tell pricing stories and they have a wide array of different customers. It's like, well, no wonder you're confused with pricing. You're dealing with inventory customers. You're dealing with professional services, restaurants, contractors. You don't know what you are. Yeah. Yeah. And this this gets to, uh, I know we did a show on, on strategy, several shows on strategy early on, including the 7S model and the whole notion of look left. You know, the first thing that you have to do is you got to figure out your shared vision. You got to figure out your purpose. You got to figure out, you know, why you're in business in the first place. Then you move to strategy and then you move to all of the stuff that we talk about, the how. I mean, this gets back to how versus what matters. And Peter Block's work is like, you've got to first figure out the what, what matters to you before you say, okay, this is our pricing strategy. Um, you know, so I think it's it's just silly for, for, for folks to just say, oh, we're just going to tweak the pricing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, nonsense. Anyway, we're up against our last break. want to remind you to contact Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the soul of enterprise where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows one more shout out to rate this podcast.com slash tsoe where guess what you can do at rate this podcast.com ron can rate this podcast you can rate this podcast i think it's absolutely brilliant rate this podcast.com slash tsoe but now a word from our sponsor and my employer sage Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash Time's Up. 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise where our new motto is we dare you to listen to us on double speed. Um, we- <laughs> <laughs> we just we just got called out by by Greg uh, who's just trying to keep up with our tweets. Like this is uh, I have heard this run, but it's it's like drinking from a fire hose. Fire hose. We've we've been pretty rapid fire today, we uh, so we maybe we, maybe we can maybe we can slow this last segment down a little bit. But we want to thank Tim for his question. It was a fantastic question. Love a chance to be able to to talk about that. I know you even deal with that in your new book run because you've asked me to develop the graphic for it. So I was... yeah, yeah, no, we I have a whole chapter on pivoting, uh, the, <laughs> pivoting to subscription. So we we do talk about it in there and I have some great stories that we just don't have time to share in there as well about uh, you know experiences with other businesses. Yeah, um, yeah. That you, because Ed, the bottom line is really hard for a business to disrupt itself. Period. It's oh, yeah. just really hard, and I think that's why spinning out the new entity, you know, like uh, Andy Grove used to say, if you're going to be cannibalized, better to dine with friends. Right, right. Meaning do it to yourself before yeah. somebody else does it to you. Sure, and this is even Clayton Christensen's point, right? In, yep, absolutely. In, in, in a planned obsolete, well, the uh, obsolete model. But, but Ron, in addition to great listeners, we and speaking of your book, you got a question from about this from your editor of the book. Yes, and I asked her if I could if I could use her name and use her question, and she gave me per- permission. She says, "Yeah." She says, "Say this." I was talking to this antique person who still <laughs> likes to own things. <laughs> so I'm going through the second round of editing, which is I'm dealing with the copy editor, and she's wonderful. Her name is Cheryl, and I love her. She's made incredible comments on the book, and it's just improved every page. Um, but she said. In chapter 22, which is the penultimate chapter in the book, she says, you say that you hope that you and Paul hope Apple moves to subscription. And my aunt, my question is, why? I understand for services, simplified, you sell the relationship, not billable hours. And she says, I understand this for TV channels, although even with cable, you know, people are saying, screw it, cutting the cord, you know, I'm buying rabbit ears, she said, which that was funny. Um, <laughs> But for products, I'm really struggling with the why. Why is it better to rent products forever rather than actually own the product? I'm buying the last of Adobe Acrobat physical version soon and hope Apple never stops selling phones. What is the value of being in a lease everything, own nothing economy? Seems rather surf-like. I, can, I can't be the only one annoyed that I have to pay a monthly fee to use Microsoft Office. So let me get your reaction to that, Ed. I know what mine was. What's yours? <laughs> You're talking about the guy, the guy who who, who uh, subscribes to a vacuum cleaner, right? So you got to right, keep right. that in perspective. Absolutely, on this. absolutely. Right. <laughs> yep. right, and 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 sausage. So, right. but it's not an age, that proves it's not an age thing. This isn't just, you know, you're not a millennial. You're not a Gen Z or whatever. No, I'm, I'm proudly Gen X, the generation that says we just get crap done. That's what okay. we do. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's that we just get crap done. Even though uh, but we anyway. all that anyway. But yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my reaction to that is, first, I think lease is the problem. Le- le- thinking yeah. of it as a lease mindset is, right. is one, one of the things that I would challenge right away. I also think that not understanding the notion of plussing and the additional creation of value above and beyond 
what the actual offering is. And I, I so I, I think that's that's the secondary thing. And by the way, you, you had a question. Yes, you can find like these one-off old copies of software packages that are still shrink wrapped and, and, and people wow. go back and, you know, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. Go, you go to Amazon you type this stuff in, you can, you can, you can find this where it's, it's still, I don't know, stuck in a warehouse someplace. Right. And by the way, people do increase the prices on that because it's not, you know, technically you're allowed it as, as a right of first sale. So it's kind of weird, but anyway, um, yeah, that's my reaction to it. Is that I, I don't, I, I, despite reading your book, I'm assuming she got all the way through chapter twenty-two that she's she's not understanding certain concepts that need to be incorporated into the subscription piece. So, well, you know, and I and look, I told her, I said, Cheryl, I'm with you. I I still want to own some things, and this is why when we compare the two quotes from Teen Zoe, you know, in five years you'll subscribe to everything and right. own nothing, and and Janzer says, no, no, in five years you'll have the option. To subscribe to everything and you're gonna to have to deal with that i still want to own my car I, I i can't give you logical reasons for it but i still want to own the car um but that said ownership is an albatross mm-hmm. it really is you've got all these transaction costs you search finding repair all of this stuff whereas you know if my refrigerator breaks and i subscribe to it they just come out and replace it i get a new one when the new model comes out maybe or i can upgrade like your vacuum cleaner in in you know periodic uh, time frames or whatever. Um, and I just think that, uh, ownership will always be important, I think for some things, but with the way we have excess capacity, like Michael Munger talks about mm-hmm. in tomorrow 3.0, uh, you know, you have a drill that sits idle 99.999%. So you have time. three drills because you can't well, find well, the one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You go buy another one. <laughs> and, and with the circular economy, you know, they're going to be able to recycle things easier. And so there's there's some environmental, you know, positive effects there. Uh, I just think it's um, it's convenience. It's frictionless. It's peace of mind. It's, hey, this is taken care of. If it breaks, it's kind of like having Apple care. But I think it would force Apple to up their game. And that's why I want to be able to subscribe to Apple. Look, I already pay them a fortune, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, yep. But now I, I'm going to get that constant plussing from them, and I'm going to have a direct relationship with them. And mm-hmm. I think that one-to-one is really important as well. Yeah, I, I think that's th- that all true. And, and, and I do think that it w- will force Apple to up their game, and that's why I want Apple to offer me a subscription, because they're going to have to up their game, and Apple's already good. Yeah, and she said, you know, am I the only one that's annoyed paying for Microsoft Office? Um I'm not sure I'm annoyed by it. I, I kind of like the fact that they constantly update it. It's kind of seamless. That's the and, other thing and, that's important, and, too, especially yeah. from the software side. And look, we're writing a book with it, for crying out loud. I, I mean, it's really important that we have the, you know, we have to make sure we have the latest version and all that. I mean, it's, I'm not sure we could do it with mm-hmm. <laughs> out-of-the-box software. Yeah. It's just, you know, we're, we, uh, we're moving to a digital world in some respects. And I just think the software thing, that, that's already sailed. That ship, that that horse is out of the barn. There's nothing you can do about that. I agree, absolutely agree. Yep. Long as the guy who works for the software company, <laughs> I'm telling you, it ain't going back. <laughs> so, no, but it's I not. I don't think it's surf-like unless you know they start putting chips in these things and giving you a social credit st- score. I understand that fear. Charlie <laughs> Cook actually wrote an article about that. You mm-hmm. know about the subscribed everything world, and and he brought up some of those issues. But I think it would. Was a little bit overblown. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
All right. Well, Ron, this has been a great show. Yes, it has. And Ed, what do we have on store for next week? We are interviewing Andrew Stutterford, who or Stutterford, I'm sorry, no R, Stutterford, who, and we're going to talk to him about our favorite subject, ESG. I can't wait, Ed. He's on I that know, beat. It's going to be fantastic. So we'll see All you right. in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. But in the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America.